Hi, I'm Val Vagoda, and you're listening to Creative Women's Co. Podcast. Welcome. You're listening to the Creative Women's Co. Podcast with Ari, where we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of having a small business and being a creative woman entrepreneur. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Creative Women's Co. Podcast. Today I am actually, um, how do I put this? It's going to be an interesting episode because you know what? Oftentimes um, we have been talking with a lot of women who I have actually met before. And um, in today's podcast, I actually have never met Val like in person, but um, Val actually reach out to us. And after reading her story, I just feel like we have to bring Val in. And I would love to chat more with her and kind of get to know her a little bit better so you guys can kind of understand her story a little, bit, a little bit better as well. And hopefully, if you sort of feel that it's kind of like in your similar situation, like learn from Val and get inspired from her. And hopefully, it's going to inspire you along the way as well. So Without further ado, Val, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? I'd love to, Ari. Thanks so much for inviting me to be part of this. Yeah, I am a transformational musician, and that is a new thing for me. I've been a musician my whole life, basically, and I'm just launching into this new realm very mm -hmm. uh, since uh, not that long ago. And so thank you for being with me at, in this early stage. Um, <clears throat> so I grew up as a singer and a violinist and a very good, obedient student, a rule follower. And that really worked for me. It worked for a long time. Uh, it, it worked in school and it worked in classical music. And mm -hmm. before long, it really became a big part of my identity. I never wanted to say the wrong thing. And so I didn't really speak up that much. Um, and I sort of followed along the track that was was pre-prescribed for me. And uh, I was actually so attached to, to rule following that by the time I got to college, my big act of rebellion was to join the army. What? Yep. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> I wanted to assert my independence. And so mm -hmm. I applied for a scholarship and I, I got it. And it was an incredible experience and actually was a huge element in bringing me to where I am today. Uh, but it was for somebody who had grown up playing classical violin and doing the things I was told and hitting the right notes, et cetera, being a good little test taker and filling in the blanks. Um, it was true that I had to continue to take orders and mm -hmm. it was great because it got me into good physical shape for the first time uh, and things like that. But as a cadet, what I had to do also, in addition to uh, taking orders, was I learned, I had to learn how to give orders. And that was very hard for me. It, <laughs> uh, I mean, nice girls don't do that typically, you know, tell yeah. all the cute boys in the class what they should do you know, in a loud voice. <laughs> and, uh, but I learned how to do it well enough to pass. And it not only really helped me develop some backbone, but it also made me a better singer. Like it was actually great training for going forth into the world of music. And so it helped me be able to handle all of the personalities that come up in the music industry 
and mm-hmm. kind of roll with it. <laughs> and um, so I ended up being a backing musician. I, I switched from classical violin to electric violin, which really changed my life and formed my own band. I got hired to be um, a backup singer and electric violinist um, for rock stars like Cyndi Lauper and Joe Jackson and the, and the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. So I spent a long time out on the road. And while I was out there, I had a few moments that were absolutely life-changing. Like there was one particular one where I was out on tour with Cyndi Lauper and she would introduce me to the crowd. You know, we're standing in front of 20,000 people in an arena and she would get on the microphone and she would say to everybody, you know, hey, this is Valerie. She is a classical violinist. Now, she plays very proper. She plays very polite. <laughs> but I want her to play like a barbarian. <laughs> and she would push me out to the front of the stage. And <laughs> instead of worrying about what I was going to do and getting it all in my head um, and trying to you know, be perfect, instead, mm-hmm. there was a moment where I just let it flow. And I just went with it. And the audience went absolutely bananas <laughs> that's awesome it was an incredible feeling you know twenty thousand people just you know this wave of energy and i felt this peak moment it was a peak aliveness is how i've come to think of it and it wasn't just the thrill of it but it was this feeling of freedom and deep connection with what i was doing and with the audience and it was just beautiful and mm-hmm. as we went forward on the tour, she would do the same thing every single night after that, from then on. <laughs> she introduced me that way. She'd push me out. I'd take a solo. And sometimes I would feel that peak feeling. And then a lot of times I wouldn't. And so that started me thinking, why not? You know, Why don't I feel that connection and that freedom every time? You know, yeah. how, you know, how do we live in that? You know, And how... Isn't that really what we all want, you know, to trust ourselves deeply and to feel the freedom and connection with what we're doing in our creativity? So fast forward, many things happened over the next years. Um, Kept playing music, uh, formed my own band, um, married my main collaborator. Uh, We were playing 150 shows a year. and, And... we finally realized that we were getting a little burned out. We want mm-hmm. to uh, maybe drive less, maybe have a baby, <laughs> be at home yeah. more. And so we made a, a switch. And instead of performing so much, um, we did a little bit of performing and we did a lot of writing. So we wrote lots of songs for Disney and yeah. had about a decade where that was the, the main form of income for us. And at the same time, we were developing some of our work into into the world of theater, where mm. you don't have to drive from city to city every single night. You can, mm-hmm. you can sit down in one place and have your show happen. So um, we're doing that for for many years. And fast forward to 2014. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you fast forward to 2014, I actually have a couple of <laughs> questions that I was like, okay, I need to ask. <laughs> so when you were, um, you mentioned earlier when you um, basically are already accustomed to just taking on orders, but then you have to start giving orders to other people. How did that make you feel? Like, I feel like um, when you've been like, it's been so long for you to just like following the rules and everything and being like, um, 
following instructions. And then when it comes to your part to tell somebody else's like what to do and giving them orders, how did that make you feel? Like, was it an interesting um, experience for you or um, tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, it was so uncomfortable. I felt completely out of my element. I felt very scared. I felt like a fraud. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was so bad at it that they actually had to, to tutor me. They had, <laughs> the commander took me out back to, <laughs> to this huge parking lot behind yeah. the factory, And he gave me remedial command voice training. So we stand on one side of the parking lot and I would stand on the other side and he would make me give orders to him until he believed me. <laughs> and, and it was, it was super hard, but it actually, it forced me to get more grounded. It forced yeah. me to have more vocal power, which mm-hmm. really helped me as a singer. Um, and it was so valuable, you know, because we get in these, I think, especially as women, we can get in these roles of, you know, I'm a great collaborator. I'm a great listener. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. very good at tasks. <laughs> and, you know, I still love that. I still feel really comfortable in that way. Like, I much prefer collaborating on a creative project. I don't like writing songs by myself. I love the give and take. Um, but if I'm not careful, and I think this is true for a lot of us, if we don't feel the, like, corroboration of somebody else, you know, telling us, yep, you're doing the right thing, keep going, you're doing the right thing. And we're out there on that sort of vulnerable edge of having to trust no one else but ourselves, that we're not only doing the right thing for us, but mm-hmm. perhaps we're doing the right thing for someone else. Um, and that was the really hard thing for me. And actually, I think that was incredibly great training for parenting, right? That's actually oh my God, yes. <laughs> a huge part of my life right now as, um, I, 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 spoiler alert, I'm a single mom. <laughs> and, um, that uh, ability to just be a leader and not have to check with anybody else whether you're doing the right thing is super important. You know, I wish I had 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 more of that leadership training in the army. You know, I I got just enough to pass. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I don't know about um, you, Val, but I actually grew up where my parents sort of told me what to do. Right, they expect me to be um, something that they want me to be. But I think one of the biggest thing that they don't teach me was that me as a woman, or at least we're going to be a woman, or as a girl, they didn't teach me how to speak up for myself in terms of like, what do you actually want um, to do? Or what do you actually want for yourself, right? I have to do that, or at least um, found out about what I actually want and fight for that when I start, <laughs> when I start figuring out, okay, what do I actually want for my life going forward because I, I found out when um, it was my senior year in high school, my parents wanted me to go to tourism school. I'm from Bali, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the things that we know around us are all about tourism, but I wanted to be a designer. And then I was like, okay, I guess uh, my parents want me to be this way, but you know what? I actually don't want it. What do I do? And I just feel like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to take charge of my life. It's like, I'm just going to tell my parents I'm going to go to art school, even though they think I'm crazy. But um, I wish they actually told me that they that I actually have a choice, you know? Um, and I think I found out about that quite late in my life where I feel like if I were to have like whether a mentor or somebody else who can tell me like, if you really want something, go fight for it. And um, 
if you really want to ask something, whether it's like um, raising your salary or maybe you want to get um, a higher rate um, on commission for whatever project that you're working on, just ask and don't be afraid to ask what your value is. Um, I think that was a really big point. Absolutely. That, well, good for you. Late bloomers, by the way, are <laughs> people. <laughs> um, I, I, yes, I totally relate to that story. I had a, a different aspect of not being able to really come forward and know what I wanted and ask for it. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother was a very, very outspoken, brash, uh, confident person. Like she was great at speaking up for herself. And I think there's a way in which my rebellion against her um, per- turned me into a different kind of person for a long time. Um, that's something I've never really explored. I've never said that before. Just now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's great that you that you did not just go along the well-worn track that you were told about tourism school and and were able to consult yourself and <laughs> and stand fast in that. That's beautiful. Hi there. I'm Leslie Castromere from Creative Women's Co. I'm here to tell you about the collective membership. Many of you have been asking us about how you can be more involved and engaged with us, whether it's through our live events or online. Here's how. Join us as a collective member starting as low as $9 a month. You can join Ari and many other creative women entrepreneurs for quality conversations at our live and online events, learning brunches, casual cocktail events, panel gatherings, speed mentoring sessions, and more. Also included is a monthly collective members only live mastermind video call on a variety of topics to discuss your challenges and how you can thrive. All that and more included in your collective membership starting as low as $9 a month. Join us as a collective member today. Sign up at creativewomens.co slash membership. So um, tell us again, um, you mentioned earlier before I cut you off, right? (laughs) Fasting forward to 2014. So tell us what happened in 2014. Okay, so so ever since those peak moments with Cindy Lauper, you know, we had been going forward, being prolific, do, you know, making everything work, um, and you just sort of get in that mindset of you know the next deadline, the next you know, the next um, way to you know, the next commission, the next project, whatever it is, and you get sort of in it, you know, and you have a little child and you're getting no sleep, but it's sort of a blur for a while. And 2014 was sort of a wake, a wake up call. Um, we were working on our next show, which is a musical. It was a musical about Ernest Shackleton. And if you don't know who Ernest Shackleton was, he was one of the great optimists of history. He was a British explorer who took 27 men to the Antarctic in 1914. And when they got within 100 miles of their destination, their ship got stuck, trapped in the ice, and it couldn't move for seven months. Wow. And then after those seven months, when spring finally came and they thought the ice would melt, instead of melting, what happened was the ice buckled and it crushed the ship and it was destroyed and it sank. Who knows? Yeah. So there there they were on the edge of the planet. And it's 1914. So they can't contact anyone. World War One has just started. Everybody in the world is busy with something else. <laughs> and they have to save themselves. 
And Ernest Shackleton, their leader, was so brilliant and so able to keep up their morale in many powerful ways that they spent the next two years in a harrowing ordeal of survival, but he saved every single life. That's it's, amazing. It is one of the most inspiring stories ever. And not only do we have that story, but we also have the photographic Im images and film that they were able to save from the ship so that when we were writing the show, we really felt like we were in the story because we had the photographs of the men and the film of the ship being crushed. I mean, it's, it's mind boggling. Um, so we're creating the show and it's, uh, instead of making it a 20, 28 person show, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it is a two person show. And I'm going to be one of the actors and my character is a, an electric violin playing composer surrounded by all of her gear and equipment. And uh, she's a single mom, she has a baby. And the other actor would play Ernest. And so we've worked on the show, we've done our readings and our workshops, and we are all ready to take the show from Seattle to several cities, and then we're gonna take it finally to New York. And in the middle of all this, uh, one morning, my husband came to me and told me that um, he had fallen in love with one of our best friends and he didn't wanna be married to me anymore. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this is a 22 year partnership and it was the single most devastating moment. And I bet. Yeah, it, it, I, was, I was shocked for, uh, I didn't know what to do. I was, I was really just a mess for, for months. But the show is still happening. Right. This is still mm -hmm. going forward. And uh, so what what we had to do is not only did we get divorced, but we ended up dissolving our professional partnership as well. So for the first time in 22 years, I was going to do this without my partner. And stepping forward into that is it was sort of like the army experience of. Yeah. <laughs> this very scary territory. And, and I realized that it, although we had been such a great collaborative couple and we'd been so productive and, and prolific and done so many beautiful things, um, a problem within all of that was that I really was always in some ways seeking his approval. Like I wanted validation from him. Mm. And so I had to face that and yeah. I had uh, like the, the shame of that, <laughs> the, the vulnerability, yeah, and, um, and kind of get over myself because this show was going forward and it meant a lot to me. It's mm -hmm. a beautiful, like empowerment, inspirational story, and and so I did it. You know, I sat down and 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 started to get to work, and so the the experience of doing that over those period of that period of of months just, you know, stepping forward. And, you know, I was not alone at all. The theater is highly collaborative and I had a wonderful director and um, a book writer and a whole team of people working with me. But I had to generate ideas and I had to trust my instincts and, you mm -hmm. know, and they were kind of shaky. So I would often go to work and I would feel like, like a fraud, like, like an imposter. Yeah. Um, this happens to a lot of people, but I had those moments where, you know, I just... How did you face that, the yeah. imposter syndrome? Well, 
it's very interesting. It's, you know, as I, I had been thinking about peak aliveness and what that means, you know, how do you feel that way? And I was feeling the opposite of that way. You know, <laughs> I was writing lyrics about being empowered. You know, the, the show had become strangely autobiographical because yeah. in the show I play a, um, a single mom who's overwhelmed by life and she feels like she needs a man. <laughs> and I, you know, all of a sudden that's me, you know, I'm, yeah. a, I'm overwhelmed by life. You know, I feel like I need a man. I'm mad at myself for feeling that way. <laughs> and yeah. I thought it was a little bit autobiographical. So while I was, I was really all in turmoil about this and I, I was trying to write the lyrics for the 11 o'clock number, like the big climactic moment of the show where my character realizes that, she actually doesn't need him, right? So, so Ernest Shackleton, you know, comes from the past and he, he comes through her refrigerator and it's this incredible <laughs> adventure, love story. Um, and they, they save the men, at, you know, and then he leaves, right? So, she, so it's the moment where uh, she realizes that, you know, she doesn't need him. She can be her own Shackleton and she can take care of her baby. And it's kind of a, you know, beautiful, empowering thing. So I'm trying to write these lyrics from the from the place of, of feeling them, of living them. And I was like, I don't, I'm not living that way. I don't feel empowered <laughs> at all. But there, there was a moment where I had forgotten that during all this, I had scheduled time to meet an old friend for coffee. And I show up at the coffee shop and, <laughs> and I'm expecting all sorts of sympathy from her, right? And I walk in <laughs> and she says, you know, oh, I heard, I heard about your divorce. Woohoo! Congratulations! <laughs> he like started cheering and getting excited. And and what she did for me was reframe my story into something else. Yeah. Right. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, not tragic, wonderful, a new opportunity. And she shook me up so much. And I was able to just walk home from that and actually write the lyrics. Right. And then every <laughs> and then when I would step on stage and sing those lyrics, um, which are I won't be burned again. It's a song called Burned Again. Um I was able to reframe it for myself, right? So when I felt that fear, when I felt that you know constriction in my throat, oh, that doesn't mean uh, that you know I'm terrified. It means my voice is trying to get out, right? And yeah. I feel my stomach is all clenched. That doesn't mean I'm nauseous. That that means I'm excited, right? Mm-hmm. With that reframing of your of how you feel physically into something more positive. I like that. That is amazing to just like just like switch your mindset a little bit because you can always think of any negativity around you. But when you start like switching um, everything into something that's more positive, you're looking at everything in completely different perspective. Exactly. Exactly. And what happened after the writing and when we opened the show and uh, we could not have gone better. It it was just, wonderful. This is one year ago. And so we're in New York and we're doing the show every night. Um, and we are at the, the climactic moment of the journey. This is, this is a different moment than the, that song, but it's where Shackleton and my character are standing at the top of a mountain and we're up there and we're at the end of our ropes, you know, totally exhausted. We've been climbing, we're starving, frostbitten, da, da, da. and we hear in the distance a whistle from a whaling station, which means that there's civilization. Like we are going to be saved. There are people, we hear them. <laughs> it's an incredible moment, right? And and the joy of that and this palpable feeling of aliveness, it was so 
strong. And it happened every single night, right? So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm having that feeling. I'm having that Cindy Lauper peak aliveness feeling, but it's consistent. It's every single night. And I realized, oh, okay, I'm onto something. What is going on here? And as I thought about it, I realized, oh, we're on a mountain peak. This is a peak aliveness moment. What does that mean? And I realized it's about, it's the creative process. And it's about being present in the moment. And it's about facing into your fear. It's about being in service of something larger than oneself, which I was with this show. And it's about having fun with it. I was having a blast. And, and, and my mind started thinking, just churning about it. And I was like, oh, that's it. It's peak, right? P is for presence. <laughs> e is for edge, which is going right to the edge of where you're, you're uncomfortable and yeah. reframing it and going forward like I did with those lyrics. Um, a is for awe, right? Feeling like you're part of something larger. And K is kick, getting a kick out of it. And so I just, I went home and I started writing about it and I started dreaming and brainstorming about it. And I came up with this concept of peak aliveness, which, it, which just got me into that place all over again when I started to think about it. And so right now we are in a, a moment where the show closed in, in New York, Ernest Shackleton loves me, and our <laughs> producer is going to reopen it again sometime soon. And this idea of peak aliveness, I have distilled into, uh, first into a, a keynote presentation, which I've now done a couple of times, and it's super exciting to go into the world of speaker series and conferences and speak to people and get them fired up and get them excited about this uh, set of practices that I found really work for me, and it, I, it's working for other people too. Um, so it feels really beautiful, like I'm able to be of service. And, uh, and so that's where I am. I'm starting this new peak aliveness initiative. Um, and the, the, the next step of this is a peak aliveness challenge, which I'm creating right now and is going to be happening in the next uh, few months. That's so exciting. Oh my gosh. <laughs> With all the things that you experienced in the past and all the things that happened in your journey and until what you're creating today i mean you literally just answer all of the questions that i have i was like oh my god oh. I didn't get to ask the question, but hey everything went smooth that that's perfect i just have like a few um a few more questions for you so oh, absolutely. tell us about like a recent moment or maybe you felt um like a deep joy recently or some sort of like satisfaction that you feel as a business owner or creative entrepreneur Oh, I've had so many of those in the last <laughs> last six months. Mm -hmm. where, uh, I think just the certainty that I'm going in the right direction um, as a result of getting out of just my room and my practice room and just showing it to a couple of people and, <laughs> and actually getting out to be able to share this with human beings. And it, this was about a month ago when I did the full on presentation to about 140 people. And it was, it was incredibly joyful <laughs> to, yeah. to feel that. Right. And, and some of, some of it is, I think 
very, very relatable to a, a lot of us who put ourselves out there, creative women, um, creative people in general, where this, this presentation that, I, that I'm doing is part music, part theater, part story, and part um, audience participation, right? So, and I use my live looping gear, which means that I have a bunch of pedals and my computer and my electric violin and microphone and everything. And it's very carefully planned. <laughs> so that, uh, and, and kind of sort of tightly choreographed to, to be able to record myself and then hit a pedal and be able to record over that and to create an entire song that way. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, really cool. <laughs> so one of the, the, the things that I talk about in People Liveness is the idea of being present in the moment, right? Meaning that if something happens that you uh, feel bad about, like Mm -hmm. music, something my dad, who's a jazz pianist, told me my entire life, if you make a mistake, you have to instantly forgive yourself. And it's really hard to do, but you have to, because if you don't, then you're not present for the next note and the next note and the next thing you have to do. So the drummer in my band, took that even one step further. And his idea is that if you make a mistake, then you should repeat it because then the audience thinks that that's what you meant to do in the first place, right? It is huh, badass. Yeah. <laughs> it's the opposite of caution and the opposite of approval seeking. I, I love it. And we call it wrong and strong. Mm-hmm. So in, in the presentation, the, you know, it's the first time I've ever done it. And there were a few things that happened that, that went wrong. And so I was able to totally put this into practice, right? And, yes. And the and the audience was was actually really happy about that, right? And that this is what the feedback I was getting afterwards was, you know, you handled the wrong and strong so well. I want to live that way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that advice, by the way. Yeah, it's so hard to do because we feel like, especially if we're if we're sort of if we have a tendency. Like, like I do and so many other high achieving women that I know, mm-hmm. do, like we're really good at doing what we, what we're told is right, you know, following the rules in, in every situation, even a creative situation, a musical situation, whatever. Um, it's very easy to go that, that route and sort of shrink back into yourself if you did, if you did something that you weren't planning to do. Yeah. So um, Val, if you had no limitation at all, what would you want to spend your life looking forward? If I if I had no limitation at all, how would I want to spend my life going forward? What would you want to yeah. um, spend your life working towards? Sorry, I did. Something. Oh, my life working <laughs> toward. What a great question. Uh, I, I'd want to do this, but with more people. <laughs> <laughs> like creating a big conference. Uh, um. Playing music, creating inspiring presentations for people, um, helping people be more bold and dynamic in a combination of, of, of like music and theater and speaking and classes and and I mean basically what what I'm doing the the, the the larger version of Pico Liveness. And yeah. there is part of it that, like, I, I have these grand ideas of applying 
these principles in other ways, like for kids and kids on the autistic spectrum mm -hmm. uh, with like adventure camps that are, <laughs> that are about this, you know, that, that have a lot to do with physical connection and well, all, all these principles, physical connection, facing into the edge of your fears, um, being part of community. I think something that we sorely need at this time is more connection, more belonging. Um, we have this sort of microculture, right? Especially I think yeah. so much being uh, a single mom in my little apartment with my son. And, you know, where's the big long dining table where we have conversation that's convivial and, and scintillating and, and sparks your brain every night, you know, that, that mm -hmm. like, like we did in college, right? Um, this is part of peak aliveness to me. So I think mm -hmm. there's, there's a musical element, there's a uh, personal element, like a coaching element, and there is a uh, community element. And that is, that's just part of what I think about. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, thanks. I could talk about that for <laughs> for a long time. Something actually, let me share with you one image, which I which I love. Um, the idea of being able to share issues and concerns and burdens mm -hmm. with other people to me is is, and it's because of, of Ernest Shackleton and because I think about the Antarctica so much. Um, it's like a snowshoe, right? If you're if you're just yeah. walking and there's deep snow. Um, you could just fall all the way through, right? But if you wear a snowshoe and it spreads out uh, the surface area of your weight, then you can stay on the surface and not sink. So I feel like that is a kind of a physical representation of what it feels like to be connected in community and to be able to share that. That's really big, yeah. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Okay, Val, where can people find you after this? podcast? Uh, well, my website, which is valvagoda.com, B-A-L-V-I-G-O-D-A.com. How about um, on social media? Is it the same um, handle? It's the same. Yes. There's one other, there's one other Valerie Vagoda that I know of who lives in Boston. She's my friend. <laughs> we found each other because we have the same name, uh, but I'm pretty easy to find down there. Awesome. Well, that's great. Um, everyone, if you guys want to um, connect with Val directly, feel free to connect with her either online or through her website. But I would love to just kind of say thank you, Val, for sharing all that vulnerability moments um, with us. And I think it's not easy for a lot of people to kind of share all the things that happening behind the curtains, right? And I think that's one of the big things that we really want to hear from a lot of other creative women out there. So um, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. I'm sure a lot of other listeners out there are listening and feeling empowered by your story. So thank you again for jumping on our <laughs> podcast and sharing all of that. My pleasure, Ariane. Thank you for providing this forum. I, I yeah. loved the idea of your show from the moment I saw the name. I was like, yeah, Creative <laughs> Women's Co., I want to find out more about that. <laughs> Thank you. All right, everyone. Um, we'll be wrapping up this season, but we will come back again next year with our season three. So keep on the lookout for that. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.
This episode was sponsored by Chikalafia Design. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have an amazing day.